Do you ever feel lost, uninspired, alone, or defeated? Well, I'm inviting you to some fellow dreamers for some insight. I believe dreams matter, and you have one, or two, or ten, I don't know. To tackle challenges with love instead of fear is the first step. So let's experience this together as we dive into the stills of life. Are you ready? Go with the flow. Hello, hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning into this podcast. I'm here with the brilliant, ambitious young actor who, only in her early 20s, has already starred in over a dozen feature films. And uh, she's appeared in over like 900,000 television episodes. She's also won several India acting awards from film festivals, including for short films, short films, um, and been nominated for many more. Born and raised all the way in Australia, she moved to Los Angeles over seven years ago. Is that true? To mm-hmm. pursue her dreams. If you're driving in your car or pretending to work in the office, please give a warm welcome to my guest, Chanel Marriott. Hi, how are you? Hello, Chanel. Thank you for coming here. Thanks for having me. So, you came all the way down here from Australia to pursue acting. Yes. How did you get that bug? Um, my mom put me into everything when I was seven years of age. It was more like just see what you like. Let's just try everything and whatever sticks, sticks. Um, and for me, acting was kind of just the thing that stuck. I used to be super shy, to be honest. Like, in theater productions, I was the one who was kind of like, just let me hide at the back. But I think it was probably the best thing I did because, like, I really fell in love with it and I really pushed myself, so it was fun. I hear those backstories a lot where a lot of actors are shy and acting is some kind of a gateway to express themselves. I think so, and, like, in some ways. I mean, for me, I feel like I bottle up a lot of my emotions in my everyday life. Not so much anymore. Mm-hmm. But when I was younger, I used to bottle a lot of stuff up or, like, I just wouldn't talk about my feelings. I thought crying was, you know, silly or stupid, and I didn't oh. want to cry. Um, so I... Now you cry for fun. Now I don't mind crying um, <laughs> if I'm happy or sad or whatever it is. But yeah. I found when I was younger that acting, I could actually let out my emotions. That was, like, my emotional release because on the daily I just wouldn't let myself be emotional <laughs> okay so yeah and um your parents are still where are they now australia wow so t- talk about how you first moved here and settled in at such a young age um so when i was 14 my mom and i came to la for 10 days wow. um just to meet agents see what it was all about we were thinking about moving to sydney because i'm originally from perth and there's The film industry in Perth is rather small, so we were like, okay, we have to move to Sydney. Um, And then it was like, well, if we're going to leave family and friends, let's just move to LA. Uh, So we came over, met a couple of agents, had a lot of interest, which was really cool, and then kind of just dropped the bombshell, like, yeah, I'm actually from Australia, because the entire time I've been speaking with an American accent. Really? uh, Yeah, so when I met with them, we're like, yeah, we're only in town for 10 days, and they're like, wait, what? Like, what do you mean? Um, and they were telling me, you have to come back, have to come back. And, of course, 14-year-old me is like, Mom, can we go, can we go, can we go? And she's like, all right, I guess uh, we'll apply for your visa. And if it gets approved, then it's a sign. We'll go. Um, and, of course, it was approved. April Fool's Day, of all <laughs> things. Uh, but it was approved July 2011? So, no, yeah, it was approved April Fool's Day, and then we moved July 2011. It's a sign. Yeah, it was a sign. So, my mom moved over with me initially, um, sold our family home, gave up her job, 
Wow. Yeah, super supportive. Um, yeah, and then when I kind of moved out of home and then I turned 21, my mom was like, you don't need me anymore. Like, you're not living with me. You're doing your own thing. I need to, you know, focus on my life again. And, yeah. you know, so that was... I'm seeing her soon, so I'm really excited. <laughs> so she would occasionally fly back and forth? Um, visit, check on so you? So she hasn't come back yet. She hasn't. She's about to. This will be her first visit since she's moved back. Oh my coming gosh. up. Yeah. So um, you were on your own for at least seven years. Not quite. My mom stayed with me until I was like 21. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, I wasn't on my own the whole time, thankfully. Um, but yeah, so she moved back. October mm -hmm. um, and then yeah I went back to Australia January I went back to Australia to see my grandma for her 80th so I've had a couple of trips on my end back but this will be my mom's first trip coming oh recently yeah I cannot imagine the culture shock let mm. alone the, f the long flight back and forth coming here yeah 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 no yeah actually my mom has made the trip once before visiting me. So yeah, it's a long flight. It's like 15 hours or something to Sydney and then 13 to 15 to Sydney and then like five to Perth or something. It's oh ridiculous, yeah. It's a long flight. You miss it? Uh, I miss the lifestyle. I think like going to the beach and it's white sand and the water's beautiful and clear and clean. Like if you had a cut, you could I just I don't know what that is. Go clean into water, I don't know what that is. <laughs> But no, I mean, I miss that. Oh, but you have, like, um, every creature on the planet trying to kill you over there. This is true. And this that's actually true. a true stereotype. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a thing. I mean, but you grow up, like, you learn about it. You learn, like, do you guys, you avoid snakes. You avoid anything that looks super-duper pretty. Ew. It's probably going to be poisonous. Like, tiger snakes are beautiful. Absolutely beautiful, but... I've never heard of that. What the heck is a tiger snake? It's, like, red, yellow, and orange, I think, or something, and oh. black. Or, like, red, yellow, and black. Um, and it's, like, one of the most deadly snakes in the world. Great. Yeah. But you just know, like, it's really pretty, so it's probably really deadly. But then again, yeah. I don't know. We okay. have, like... We have a lot of deadly stuff. <laughs> I I'm not flying down there. Um, so when did you get your agent, your first agent? Um, like in LA or yeah, here. in, um, yeah, 2011 was when I got my first LA agent. Um, I was with Sovereign Talent Group and they were fantastic. Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah, so that was good. They got me out a lot and like I got super duper close. So I was only supposed to be here for a year. Um, initially we were only going to come for a year. My mom wasn't going to sell the family home. That was something that happened as the seven years kind of progressed. Oh, please don't. Um, but yeah, initially it was just like, yeah, let's go for a year, see what happens. And then at okay. the end of that first year, uh, I was up for Weather Millers through Sovereign Talent. They'd got me all of that. And then, yeah, that didn't happen. I didn't end up getting the role, mm. but Everyone was like, you would be crazy to move back. So she has to stay there pretty much. <laughs> okay. Yeah. My family keeps on telling me, come home, come home because we miss you. But we know you need to be there, but come home because we miss you. Okay. Yeah. Oh, nice. And um, the Screen Actors Guild mm -hmm. getting in to yeah. even be counted as a, as a SAG actor. Um, what is that process like? Because I know, I mean, 
there's probably a thousand actors just Dream in a memory. little town here, yeah. and maybe two actors listening to this podcast. So how do you, <laughs> how do you qualify and um, maintain that? I believe I've been a member of, I, for a while now, but I believe when I first joined, you get you work on films to become SAG eligible. Um, so certain films or certain TV productions will do things where you work as a non-union actor, okay. but they give you SAG credits almost. And once you have a certain amount of kind of credits, you become a must-join. So you have to join SAG. Um, you have no other choice because the next project you work on, you're considered, you know, you have to. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, when SAG and AFTRA merged, it was just... you. Uh, yeah, it's like, all right, well, we're one union now. Cool, so I'm both. <laughs> so, yeah, that was cool. Okay, now, I know, like, um, in auditions and casting, um, normally when they see actors who are SAG or SAG eligible, um, it's usually a positive sign because this person has experience. They must be good. Uh, you don't know. But um, it comes in handy, right? I would say it does um, to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. I definitely, a lot of commercials now are non-union. Like a lot, oh. surprisingly, yeah. A lot of commercials are non-union. Um, which is kind of frustrating if you are yeah. in the union. I know like there's a bunch of stuff that's changing and yada yada, but a lot of the commercials that even I see come through for actors on breakdowns or that I hear about, a lot of it is non-union. It's like, okay, well... I guess I can't work on that project because... So the competition is a little bit... So it's... Triple the fierceness and... Yeah, it's a little interesting. I mean, because you don't want to obviously jeopardize that, but I think you're in a good spot if you're newer to acting or if you're... If you are non-union, not necessarily newer to acting, but if you're still non-union, to kind of just ride that out until you have to join. Like, even though it looks good... It also sounds really good to be like, hey, I'm SAG eligible. <laughs> what? So you, you can join like if you need to, but you can still work non-union? Cool. So, they get, so that's like a really good spot, to be right. honest, because you get like everything. Twice the gigs, mm-hmm. still be in a McDonald's commercial, mm-hmm. and be in a student film. Pretty much, yeah. Paid or unpaid. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, I'm... I'm the same age as a dinosaur. So last I heard, SAG actors earn anywhere from 700 to 1,000 a day. I have no idea. You have no idea? Nope. I don't negotiate. Well, <laughs> you don't. Okay, that's probably for the best because now yeah, I seriously. hope it's a lot higher. Probably. I mean, it should be. Probably. As well. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I would say so. Okay. What was the first breakthrough that kind of led you to like more auditions, more offers? What was it? Um, Honestly, I definitely think... I don't know. I don't know what that would have been. I think just being, like... You worked a lot, that's why. Yeah. I I was like, I kind of just... I think if you just grind, like, the more people you meet, Mm -hmm. the more breakthroughs you're going to have because you know more people, like, more casting directors know you. Once casting knows you, then they're going to be calling you in. Um, I just think, like, if you're an actor listening to this podcast, uh, you should definitely, <laughs> they better be. definitely go out and meet as many people as you can and get in front of as, as many casting directors as you can. Um, 
because they will call you in if they like you, even if you're not right for that particular role. I've had casting directors call me in multiple times for different projects, mm -hmm. even if I'm not 100% for the role, just because they're like, well, she, we like her, so even in. if she's not what you're looking for, maybe she'll work, you know what I mean? So it's, it's cool, it's really cool. Wow, and um, you touched on a good segue, like meeting all these um, casting agents, other actors, other producers. Most of the time you don't know them because there's so many and there's only like a handful who are like famous. Mm -hmm. So I want to talk about like um, trust and um, fairness and just how do you know when to believe if someone is authentic or not? I definitely think LA is the town. Well, I mean, a lot of places are like this, but you see it a lot in LA where people portray themselves to be one thing, but they're very inauthentic and very not genuine. Um, we have Instagram doing that for us. <laughs> yes, Instagram, whoop, whoop. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I feel like you just have to trust your gut. Like, you can't be stupid about it and you can't be too, like, expecting what they say 100% to happen. Mm. If it does, fantastic. But if it doesn't, then it doesn't, I think, always, like, be professional about stuff. But trust your instincts. Like, if something doesn't sound right, you know, or something doesn't seem right, trust that. Can you share a story? Like, um, for example, maybe you got offered tons of money, which seemed a little unusual because you were kind of starting out. Um, but then you just had a bad feeling. I haven't had anything super shady. I've had scripts that like I'd received from filmmakers and read and there was just one that I was gonna accept the role and my mom was like, yeah, you should really read the script because he's making a point to say it's quite explicit. And I read the script and I was just blown away <laughs> at how not right for me it was. It was very, very vulgar. Um, so that was just, like, instinctually, like, bad news. Um, yeah. I had another instance where I went to almost like a networking function, I guess, and I was talking to this one filmmaker, um, and I was, I was, like, 16 at the time or something. Like, I was, like, young. And um, he was, like, chatting away to me, and I was, like, in a nice dress, and he handed me his business card and was like, yeah, I make films, you know, you, oh should, you should contact me, and, like, handed me his business card. And I'm like... It's a networking thing, of course. Yeah, I'll take your business card. And my mom, like, was kind of standing back and she's looking at this whole interaction and she's like, hold up. So she walks over and he's like, oh, who are you? And she's like, what do you mean, who am I? And he goes, well, who are you? And she goes, I'm the chaperone. He goes, what, you're the chaperone? And she goes, no, I'm the mom. That's it. You're the chaperone? No, I'm the mom. And um, he suddenly was like, oh, wait, how old are you? And I was like, I'm 16. He goes, ah, oh, um, my film's at 18 plus and takes his card back. So I think... So he improvised his escape? He think? did, yeah. Okay. He kind of, I think the moment my mom came over and he was like, oh, who are you, the chaperone? And my mom just turned around and said, no, I'm her mom. He realised that I wasn't 18 because he had an ulterior motive, I'm sure. Um, 
Yes. Oh, God. It was just it was just very sketchy. Like the moment he heard mum and realised that I was under eighteen, he immediately took back his business card and like dipped. So yeah, I just never so never at the point where it's like, oh, a lot of money or something for something that wasn't quite right or whatever. But there are instances where it's like, okay, well, there's definitely people out there who are looking and not necessarily having the best intentions. Yeah, exactly. Circling sharks. Did you see him again? No. No. Never again. He's probably dead now. Who knows? (laughs) Who knows? Um, Okay. Well, hopefully you never see him again. (laughs) I hope he's not making... The kind of films that he was making oh dear. when I was 16. <laughs> okay. Yeah, hopefully he's still not pursuing that. Good on him, I guess. <laughs> what would you say is the biggest misconception about you? Um, Socially, professionally? I think the biggest misconception when people meet me is I'm like super out there. I go out a lot. I enjoy going to concerts. I enjoy going to shows. I like a wide range of music. I like EDM and screamo and punk and like, <laughs> like I like everything. I like jazz too. Like jazz is great. Okay. Like I'm all over the place. But I think because I like going out and I'm very social, people assume that that's kind of like where my focus is or mm. whatever. Um, and it's kind of cool because lately I haven't really been having the chance to go out so much. I've been working a lot, um, and it's really nice because people are actually getting to see all these other sides of me and they're like wow like we always knew you were like that but now like the whole dynamic has shifted and people are now seeing me as this workaholic as opposed to like the social you know butterfly and I'm like oh this is interesting because I feel like this is more who I have always been but there was this preconceived notion that because I went out you know I don't know I don't know I felt like there's definitely two different worlds that are at play. Yeah, especially today with uh, modern technology and Instagram, it's kind of like an accidental TV show. Kind of, yeah. And um, people always assume, I don't know, the worst? I, I don't want to say the worst, yeah. but maybe just what they see is what they get, mm. and that can turn them off or yeah. make them aggressive. I mean, you don't know, but... Um, it's a slightly different reality. Yeah. And luckily I'm not into that kind of trap. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> because, uh, I mean, who wants to see this face? Um, that's why I'm doing a podcast instead of a, a video interview. <laughs> um, not even. Okay. <laughs> what kind of, um, as an actor, what kind of skills did you have to learn and master? And how difficult were they? Um, I think the ability to be authentic like, to just be. I mean, mm-hmm. it sounds really stupid, like, to be or not to be, quote Shakespeare. Um, but no, like, just to actually just be, like, yeah. be present in the environment, in the moment, feeling <laughs> what you're it. supposed to be feeling. But it's not even what you're supposed to be feeling. Yeah, you're um, just it's supposed just, to project. It's just being organic and, like, actually living the truth in, like, whatever you're feeling that this character is feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like the biggest thing for me is I always like used to be able to cry on cue but when I was younger I would like psych myself out so much like oh my god I have to cry in the scene like ah, and then I, like, I would freak out and then I wouldn't be able to cry because I was so like freaked out about it um, 
I love that feeling. And I realized, like, <laughs> dude, if you just relax and trust yourself, like, you can cry on cue. Just chill out. Like, it's fine. Don't even think about it. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Just because it says it on a page that you have to cry mm-hmm. doesn't mean you have to cry. You can still feel everything. Most people don't cry because you try not to. How do you relax? Um, Especially when you're on a ticking timetable. Like, if I need to, like, immediately cry on set, I'll just say, can I just take a moment, listen to a sad song, get in my head about whatever is going on in the situation, however I relate to it. Okay. Um, usually, like, anytime you're getting into an emotional scene, like, whether it be on Hawaii Five-O or whether it be on Allison's Choice, mm-hmm. one's a studio TV production, yeah. one's a, I saw it. you know, independent feature film. Yeah. So independent feature film of course you're expecting you're going to have more time possibly to get into the emotion but Mm -hmm. also at the same time we only had like 12 days to shoot the entire feature film 12 to 14 days or something like that yeah so it was insane so we didn't really have that much time but the director of course was willing um but it surprised me like even on the studio they gave me time to get into it and the entire time I was crying and if I needed to kind of just he'd be like oh don't worry about crying for this part we're not you know getting a close-up on your face like you can hold it back a little bit it's okay so like they were really cool about it yeah they were really smart really cool so yeah it worked out perfect Uh, I heard from an interview from Tom Hanks that he likes to know the shooting schedule to pace himself and to kind of prepare for all the emotional yeah, beats and stuff. Do you do you do you do that? I think it's nice to know what you're shooting what day, um, mm-hmm. but you don't always. Like I know, Allison's choice. I kind of just ah no. You'd get your call sheet the night before, so you like you always know like what you're shooting. Yeah. Um, Was that in twelve days? Allison's choice. No. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that feature film was twelve days, and that's and like minutes. two days of pickups. Yeah. It was 120 pages. It was nuts. Like, it was, yeah, we shot long days, long hours. But it was, like, really fun. Really oh. emotionally draining because there's a lot of crying in that film. Yeah. Okay. Um, I saw clips and uh, trailers of that. You play um, a pregnant young teen who's yeah. conflicted because she's obviously dating. she's not ready for it. Yeah. Doesn't really want the baby. Yeah, dating a deadbeat guy who's telling her to get rid of it. So yeah. yeah, and he's not involved at all. Yeah. But then you meet all these colorful characters in it, including a man who may or may not be there, who appears to be a janitor, <laughs> or he could be a janitor, I don't know, um, who's also the director of the film. Yeah, 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 Bruce Marciano. Yeah, yeah so talk us through, like, this is almost not even a film because it does happen a lot. Yeah. And, you know, unprotected sex or whether it could be extortion. I don't know. There's so many um, motives and just, uh, but also, I mean, most of the time they're just accidental pregnancies. So, yeah. I mean, that would honestly freak me out. Yeah. If I was no, a guy and, you yeah, know, be like, no. oh my God, I don't even like you and you're going to, and you're pregnant. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. It really is. Um, it's amazing, like, every single character represents kind of just, like, like different, different views, different views, different views, different views. 
Um, and it doesn't really, like, even though it's a faith-based film and it's, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily pro-life, it's pro-choice. Um, even though it ends up being pro-life, mm-hmm. it's still, you know, whatever you decide, like, considering God still loves you, you know, you're still loved. Like, it's not... It's just, it's just such a hard decision, to be honest. Like, I think that film is really powerful just because it's, like, probably the film that, as an actor, I'm most proud of because it's oh. touched the most people. Um, it like, better. Yeah, we've received a lot of messages to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, just, like, people saying, like, oh, because of the film, I got out of a really toxic relationship or because of the film I kept my baby or because of the film I realized that I could do wow. it or um so it's really 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 powerful and like a lot of people have said yeah I got rid of my kid you know, oh. I had an abortion when I was younger and it's like the worst mistake I ever made and I they said it so like much. that and so like yeah like a lot of people like commented yeah oh my gosh. they'll just be like yeah I I went through with it when I was young and I regret it and I you know and now I have another kid and I'm <laughs> it's it's yeah it's it's a powerful film it's really powerful it's really yeah. cool I it's so powerful just from what I saw I mean glimpsed and that I almost don't want to see the film you <laughs> know what I mean it's yeah. kind of like like that feature uh, Still Alice uh, Julianne yeah, yeah, Moore yeah. and Alec Baldwin uh, starred in and it's about memory loss mm. Alzheimer's and when I saw the premise and the plot and the trailer, I was like, I'm not watching this. Because <laughs> I feel like my memory's slipping away. Because, oh. you know, I'm a dinosaur. Uh-huh, so, right. Anyway, totally. Um, I noticed, uh, just from your filmography, um, I don't know if this is uh, your active choice, but you seem to be playing um, characters who are in a rut with their, within her own family. And either you're slipping away, or the parent is slipping away, or a parent dies, um, and you're just seeking some kind of, you know, <laughs> happy freedom, but it just doesn't work out that way. And it's very real life. Um, and because, uh, what about loveology? Loveology. Can yeah. you talk about that one? Because um, loveology is awesome. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Tell tell everyone the basic plot and so um, what you're conflicted with. <laughs> Loveology is a film about a young girl Fiona who is a virgin. Um, she is very religious, um, planning on saving herself for marriage. Uh, she lives with her friend um, and their family, and her friend's dad is a minister, so they're very you know that's her community now. Um, and her mother is an alcoholic who comes back into her life claiming to have cancer, uh, which, of course, kind of drives the story into this immediate conflict where it's now how do you deal with this person that you haven't spoken to in years who's really bad for you. And for, for those who, hasn't, who haven't seen it, um, like I reacted like maybe <laughs> she doesn't have cancer. It could be one of those. Yeah, like, it could. It could. We were thinking there's so many ways that we could have gone with it. Um, it's like you winning the Oscar. <laughs> and then all these people that left you came back. <laughs> and they'll have like some excuse. Right. Um, oh, God. That's really dark. but That was pretty dark, actually. <laughs> actually, yeah. But so is the film. I mean, she like talks about possibly auctioning off her virginity um, 
Oh dear. Yeah. So there's there's that. Like of course you know, the whole thing comes up where it's this is still your mum. You know, no matter what happens, this is still your mum. You still care about her. You still love her. Um, and of course you're gonna do anything in your power to save her. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of really cool religious, controversial, kind of like moral questions where it's what do you do? Now, how do you prepare for something like that? Because your mom, your real mom, sounds like a supportive rock star who's (laughs) flying halfway around the world because she, she loves you and supports your dream. I mean, most parents would be terrified of that idea. So how do you get into that mindset of this character? Um, I mean, I think, like, I think I separate it from myself in the sense that it's not my mom. You know, it's, Mm. it's not, it's, um, it's this world that we're creating. And when, I mean, Renee Faya, who's, who plays my mom in the film is absolutely phenomenal. And when we were working together, just building that relationship just in general like obviously chemistry plays a big part in it too um but building that world and actually like having that relationship together like her and i we had a couple of rehearsals with the director beforehand where we just improved and just saw what happened and then i think like once you're in it and you're just dealing with this other actor and it's not even you know it's not mom or this or you know a certain person in my head it's just dealing with the other person and dealing with if I lose you I care about you and if I lose you as Fiona if I lost my mom how would I feel you know what I'm so you draw from your experiences but for me I didn't specifically it's you just take what you can yeah to create connections really do you talk to Well, I mean, do you talk to other, like, friends or peers who have family problems like that? Um, not really. No, not really. I mean, it depends on the situation. Like, for Loveology, I didn't. Um, just because, like, I could understand within the script how a character would be pushed to face the things that she faces or to make the decisions that she makes. Um because you would do anything to save the person that you love. So that, in general, I, I understand, so I don't really need to talk too much about relating to it, but um, I had a scene forever ago, and my acting coach was like, I think, what film was it from? Uh, goodness, goodness, goodness. But it was a very powerful scene. It was, she had been sexually assaulted in the scene, um, and she was talking to the lawyer, and the lawyer's saying, well, you know, this is what they're coming back with. And she was like going against it, going against it. And when I first got the material, um, this is going back a while, I didn't, I was reading it, but it wasn't living it. And my mm. um, acting coach was having us really get like on the ground and kind of like put in work. So I went to like centers and I spoke to people who worked in clinics who help um, survivors of situations like that and asked them questions. and. Um, did my homework in that sense and then when we finally got into actually doing the scene in class and taping it before we even went into it they all grabbed like a an ankle or a wrist Mm. and had like everyone in my class it sounds crazy I'm sure but they all grabbed like an arm or a wrist 
and then started tickling me. Okay. That in itself was enough to freak me out because I oh. couldn't get out of oh. being tickled. That it set me off emotionally where I understood where I was living in the scene. And after talking to everything and understanding completely and doing all the background for it, like, it sets it off differently. So it depends, I think, on, like, the content of the film or specifically, like, connections if you're, yeah. Damn. Yeah, it was smart on my acting coach's part for sure. But, yeah. <laughs> Us actors are crazy. <laughs> no, not crazy. Just creative and a little strange <laughs> well i mean you have to be a little delusional to a little obsessed a little bit delusional to like get what you want yeah. um but yeah you are playing different characters and people can be mistaking that as like oh she has she has 12 personalities and i don't want to talk to her anymore <laughs> because she can go in and out like within a click i think to some certain extent it's gonna sound like i'm actually gonna sound like a crazy person but to some extent like i think Please. As an actor, you have to be a really empathetic person. Like, you genuinely, like, to be able to take on a character and sit down and go, okay, well, let me look at you and not judge you and try and understand why you're doing what you do yeah. um, and why you're like that. And then as a person, like, as me, yeah. I feel like every single character I've ever had the chance to play has taught me something or made me understand something about myself or made me accept something about myself that I perhaps didn't before. Because now I understand, oh, this capable, this character was capable of doing this, which has made me in a certain way relate to... It, I think it expands. So you take on a, like, a little piece of every character that you've ever ever done homework on. Or yeah, I, I wouldn't know how to be objective to a character because, I don't know, one day you might play like a monster of a person. Yeah. But your job is to be truthful in the moment through kind of serving this character yeah. without having any personal feelings right because well, yeah. I mean you have to just understand them like that's the only way you can't yeah like if you're judging a character just sit down and understand them like no one is an m- absolute monster without like everyone is justified mm-hmm. in some way this person believes that whatever they're doing is completely justified yeah so there's obviously something so you have to try and like Understand, even as hard as it is sometimes to understand. It's 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 really interesting. It really puts you like in a position just in your own life to actually just look at people and go, okay, well, you know, this is this is who you are. I don't know why that makes you that way, job. but yeah. Um, yeah. There's that. Uh, I can't think of the actress's name from Smallville who just got arrested for um, sex trafficking through a sex cult. What? Yeah, she does not look like the part at all. But um, it's uh, she's in huge trouble. Um, so she's been on Smallville for several years, and on the side, she's been recruiting young girls to be part of a sex cult. How yeah. does that even happen? I don't know. Like, I I, I don't know. Her name's blanking out. She looks like a girl next door. She's petite, and. Uh, yeah, she got caught. That's crazy. It is crazy. It's pretty scary that these things happen. So it's the same thing as like, um, kind of like what that producer did, just kind of telling a young girl what they want to hear, and then somehow 
gaining their trust yeah to like join them that's nuts anyway yeah um you're you're a lot you're a thousand times smarter now (laughs) yes 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 definitely definitely um so i wanted to bring up a very uh very sensitive topic. Mm-hmm. Um, I read a few months ago through social media that you um, shared or liked um, about an assault on you. And I, I thought it was a joke when I read the headline and then I read the entire article and I was immediately upset for you. Because um, uh, We've only met a couple times, but I'm like, Chanel's really cool. She's really <laughs> smart, very ambitious, and a very nice person. She does not go clubbing every day. <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and um, so you you are a survivor of an assault, mm-hmm. and um, and I'm bringing it up because there must be several people out there, men and women, who are keeping it to themselves. Yeah. And I'm sorry to make you cry. No, it's fine. It's fine. Um, it's fine. But if you could just... You don't have to go into details. Just tell us what... Just very briefly, if you will, what happened. Uh, and if you killed the guy. <laughs> no. Um, no, I went over to hang out with some friends. Um, they'd been drinking, so I caught up. And then... Um, I went to bed totally fine but I was I was not I remember going to sleep and I had the spins a little bit and I felt like I was in a safe environment with friends of mine yeah. uh, with a friend of mine I knew um, I wasn't driving I wasn't out I was in an apartment I was safe um, or so I thought uh, and then the, there was someone I didn't know uh, who was a friend of my friend and one thing led to another and I woke up and I don't want to get into it but um, I remember leaving the apartment realizing what was happening because I was asleep when I came to Um, and I was still intoxicated I remember I was like I woke up and it was dazed and it was like early hours in the morning it was still dark and I remember just like leaving, grabbing all my stuff, leaving and getting back to my car and just calling the police. That was like the first thing I did. I was like, I don't, like, I don't know what to do. I was like, I don't know what to do, but I know this is wrong. Like, I know this is really wrong. Um, and I remember like apologizing to the police when they arrived. Uh, because I was like, there's people dying in LA. Like, it's such a big city. Like, there's probably someone dying down the street. Like, I'm sorry I called you out for this. And like, oh. now realizing like, the smartest thing you can do is talk about it, get it out. Um, they they got his DNA because I called them and they knew where he was. So they got everything. They got samples. They got everything they need. And even if it never goes to court, at least that's all on record now. Yeah. Um, he was very confident. He was like, "Go ahead, call the police." Like, wow. Um. So, yeah, it was like, I'm glad. Hopefully, that might have scared him. Um. 
still waiting to find out if I go to court, but I think like the smartest thing you can do is just talk about it. Um, the, it happens a lot. It happens way too often. Like the statistics on how many people ha- will experience or have experienced is way too high. Hmm. Um, and I think it's something that like it needs to be talked about. It really does. It's it needs to become something. Uh, more of a conversation I mean of course like the Me Too movement was a big part of it but I just think like no matter what it's not your fault um like looking online I was like oh maybe you know I shouldn't have been drunk or you know whatever and it's like no like just because I was drinking in a safe environment I thought I was safe does not give someone the right to do those things so and even if you consent, he, it, anyone shouldn't anyway because you're still buzzed. Yeah, well, yeah, definitely. So this but is an ongoing case? It's ongoing, yeah. Okay. I'm still waiting to find out. It's been like a year, over a year. Wow. Yeah, yeah. They take time yeah. because there's so many cases of it happening. They can't process all the evidence right away. So there's like a massive backlog, if that gives people like any idea of how often this happens. Yeah, because we're so used to these cop shows. Yeah. And everything happens in 40 minutes. Yeah. Um, so, okay. Well, I'm praying and hoping for the best. Yeah. And how is that? You said talking about it. Did you wait a long time? Was it pretty instant? Um, for me? Yeah. I mean, right away I talked to the police about it which sure. was fine. Um, but after that, I didn't. Uh, I had one of my friends come and meet me at my house when I got home or one of my friends moved my car or figured it out. I don't know. I called one of my friends and they okay. came to be with me. Um, That's awesome. And they were the only person who I told. I didn't tell my mom at first. I didn't tell my boyfriend at the time. I didn't tell, I didn't tell anyone. I was like really ashamed. Um, and that's so stupid to feel ashamed it's really like it's you shouldn't it's not your it's not your fault it's not no so I don't know there was like a lot of like the blame game and then it was hard not to talk about it because I was experiencing so much and bottling so much up that my boyfriend was like well what's going on and my mum was like well what's going on yeah. and it's like I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. Um, and then eventually I, like, I told them. Um, and they would react however you, know, you would imagine that they would react. Um, yeah. I don't know. Well, thank it's you for sharing that. Um, I, I can't imagine it was, the yeah. pain and the ordeal. I feel like the biggest thing after everything that kept me going was I was really lucky. I was really lucky to have my friend. Yeah. Um, because he took me and he forced me to get out of the house. And was like, let's go get food. Like, you need food. You know, let's... It's not going to distract you, but I understand where you're coming from because I've been there. Oh. I've been in a similar situation and I get it. So let's do something. Let's get out of the house. And I was very fortunate for that. Um, but... 
I mean, it took me a while to be able to talk about it very openly. Um, the decision to post like the Me Too thing was like very hard. Um, but the biggest thing that kept me going was I didn't want to stop working. I knew I couldn't take time off work. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't let my life go on hold just because of this. Um, like for me, my biggest thing was like if I don't keep going with my life if I just start blowing off work or sitting in my emotions and feeling sad and like okay yeah you're gonna feel weird and you're gonna feel numb and you're gonna feel all these different things all at once but if you let that stop you from doing what you're supposed to be doing or going about your life I realized like that was only gonna make me more depressed and feel like I'd lost more because he'd taken something from me, I wasn't going to let him take any more. Yeah. Um, nice. I wasn't going to let him ruin my life anymore. So I tried not to think about it. And I just kept going about my life. So clearly I haven't talked about it that much. Um, but, yeah. I do think it would be, like, helpful for me to talk about it at some point now that, like... But it's been so much time and I'm like, what's talking going to do? I don't know. A lot. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's only, that's just the first step. Yeah. But. but I don't really know how you're supposed to recover, but that was just, that was just like my biggest thing, just distract myself and just focus on what I had to do. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Of course. Um, sorry for making you cry. Um, sorry. Well, I know you have to go, so we'll wrap <laughs> up there. That's a terrible way to wrap up. But um, I purposely wrote some, you know, just fun, fun things. rapid questions because oh, cool. <laughs> I think it's a really fast way to get to know somebody. All right. All right. Favorite destination? Uh, home, Australia. Really? With all those creatures and animals and monsters Lancelin. Lancelin's my favorite place in the world. <laughs> Lancelin Beach, Western Australia. Okay, desired superpower? Uh, I wouldn't mind transportation or telekinesis. Oh, you want to move things and move yourself. Yeah. Okay. That's perfect for L.A. Yeah. <laughs> Where do you want to be in five years? Um, what's five years from now? Let's see. Uh, hopefully, I will have a lot more shit together. I feel like I've decently got my shit together, but... Um, by the time I'm 30, I plan on having everything sorted. Um, so when I yeah. have kids, I'm going to have everything set up already. Um, How many kids? I wouldn't mind having two or three. It would be pretty awesome. Okay. Um, but yeah, I'm just, I, I want to travel a little bit in the next couple of years. Um, you better travel. I want to be working, <laughs> making a difference in the world still. Yeah. Um, Hopefully we'll have a better president. <laughs> Not a better, I mean good. Good, good president. yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, last question. What's your favorite quote? Uh, such is life. Such is life. Mm. Such is okay. life. I have it tattooed on me, so... Really? Yes. Okay. Yes. I am not going to ask you where it is. It's ribcage. Okay. It's okay. Um, she has a tattoo on her ribcage. Do yeah. not ask her to see it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it basically just, you know, apparently the, there's a story about, like, this legend Ned Kelly and they said he was an outlaw kind of like Jesse James you know Bush Ranger um and he was hung in the gallows and apparently his final words were such is life um 
And I 100% think that's really powerful. I mean, whether or not he actually said it is kind of like a thing. There's a whole another story to it, but I'm not going to get into it now. Okay. Um, <laughs> we'll save another yeah. dark chapter next time. Yeah. Okay. I kind of just, I kind of live by that. Like, such is life. Like, what will be, will be, you know. At some point, you kind of just have to take a step back and go, all right, well, does it really need my attention? Like, yeah. the world's been here for billions of years and our existence, like, is so, I don't know, it's, it's Micro? tiny. Yeah, yeah, it's tiny in comparison to how long the world has been here. Like, our, our entire existence in our lifetime is short. So it's like, okay, well that's kind of freeing like some people are like oh well our lives don't matter and I'm like well that's kind of awesome that like our existence yeah. is so tiny that that traffic jam or that car accident or that scratch up or that bad day like okay cool like it's one day in billions of years of eternity like your tiny little problem really isn't that t- like it's not that big you know uh, car I mean? accident is like, pretty big Chanel yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but minor, minor, minor accidents. Minor accidents happen a lot okay, in that so You have to be okay with them. Fine. You get a, you get to be okay with minor accidents. <laughs> well, listen. Uh, thank you so much for coming and sharing your life story in such a short amount of time and by really fast. Uh, I appreciate all the heavy stuff that you shared. Um, I wish nothing but the best for you. Thank you. I really mean that. Um, you've been a really cool friend. Uh, I just wish I could hang out with you more often but <laughs> the months go by so fast I know this year yeah and um, you know being in film acting writing the most expensive art form yes it's uh, <laughs> but uh, we would not have it any other way because it just it just fulfills our heart and lives yeah and um, 100%. thank you so much and um, till next time thanks everybody for listening thank you